Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. With Matt Petrowski. Hey, buddy. God, it's been a long time since we talked. Well, it's because we don't make the time for some reason. We don't, like, find the time. I know. We need to find more time. It hasn't been that long since we talked. It's just been a long time since we recorded, which is... Uh, which is different. That's true. We did talk yesterday and then the week before or something like That's that, true. I think. But uh, any news going on today, which happens to be December 3rd, 2013? Anything exciting? Uh, I don't know. They both have a three in them? Yeah, there's that. There's something else. Um, I don't know. I, I started mining cryptocurrencies. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> the three, and the, there's also a... A one in 2013. <laughs> okay, that's years, good. Now we're, now we're dragging it out. That's just silly. <laughs> oh, I know. That's yes. right. A new version of FileMaker came out today. There you go. Oh, we just wasted 30 seconds of people's lives. <laughs> well, hopefully they're laughing. They're all going like, come on, guys, get on with it. All right, yes, let's get on with it. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. There is so much to cover. It's... Uh, I want to say insane, but it's not insane. This is an awesome release. It really is. But I have to be honest with you. This morning, uh, when I woke up, I flipped open my uh, my iPhone and because it's next to me in my bed, and I was flipping through, and Chrome is my default browser, and Chrome was not displaying their website. It was actually chopping off the stuff. And up to just a few minutes ago, I think they just fixed it. Now, it was either... Completely coincidental that on my desktop and on my iPhone that it both that both of them looked like they were chopped. But huh. uh, for me, my initial impression this morning was, "Oh, guys, come on! It's not even coming in through the Chrome browser." But they fixed it, so that's a good. That's thing. good. That's good. Yeah, because Chrome is now the by far the winning winning browser. Oh, I didn't know. A lot of people don't know that. They kind of still think that, like, you know, well, it's interesting if you take a look at the peak, the rise and fall of different browsers. I mean, I mean at one point, it's been a long time now, Internet Explorer was the main browser. Well, before that, Netscape. And um, and then Firefox was really dominant. But now Chrome has uh, the overwhelming line share, or I don't know. It's definitely the leading browser, and it's growing really fast. Interesting. Uh, Safari sits down at, like, between 5 and 10%. Um, it's not going to be too long, actually, I think, before uh, before Internet Explorer fades so low that it gets overtaken by Safari, but we'll see. But, Speaking uh, but of Firefox, browsers. Yes? FileMaker works in a browser now. Oh, hey, really? <laughs> They've We're got their the features, new huh? WebDirect, yes. You know, but there's, let's just do a quick little highlight of the big features that it has. And I'd say that they're really in two areas. WebDirect, which is the replacement for instant web publishing, is amazing. It is a complete game changer. Um, you definitely have to do some work to make it work beautifully in it, but then it's going to give you features that you never could even dream of with instant web publishing. Yeah, I was going to say we need to we need to set up expectations before we. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I don't want to. I don't always want to come off like this cynic, but I haven't used it myself personally. So that's the first disclaimer I have to say. Oh. But from what uh, from what I've heard, it's. It, it renders exactly like you get within your layout. But performance, if you don't optimize for WebDirect, your layouts specifically, you have to think of your layouts now in, in a web-based mindset. You can't just overload them and expect that you're going to get the performance that you get out of a client. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, the biggest biggest factor is number of objects 
number of moving parts on a layout that on a for whatever reason in FileMaker Pro client you can have a huge number of them. I mean, a huge number, and the layout will still perform extremely well. WebDirect you can't. You just you got to really be lean. The other big area that I think is huge, which you and I talked about a little bit, is this is really a mobile operating. It's it's really designed for building mobile. It's got a ton of features in FileMaker Pro that only can be used in FileMaker Go. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. In fact, I'm that's that I'm more excited about that than I am about the web stuff. I mean, the web stuff is great and it basically is their um, it's their hedge against the fact that they're not going to have, at least for the foreseeable future, unless things change, a client for any other operating system other than iOS, which is unfortunate. But I mean, you can say here, go over and use WebDirect on your uh, WebDirect Direct on your Android phone. Well, great, but it'd be nice if there was a client, in my opinion. Uh, I totally agree. I, I really think there should be, and and um, I think they're saying that on an Android phone, which is already kind of slow. And WebDirect, which is our, as we discussed, is not super fast. That it wouldn't be a particularly good user experience to use WebDirect on a on a phone. And I have no idea. Again, I haven't I haven't used it enough myself to know, and I haven't been able to tweak enough to know. But I have used the uh, mobile stuff, and oh my gosh, uh, we we have arrived at something that can be very consumable. Whereas oh, yeah. the the FileMaker 11 was like, I was like. Oh, they're 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 doing this wrong. They're in the wrong direction. They're doing feature parity. I don't care about all the things that are on desktop. Having those on mobile, I just want something that's comparatively fast from a performance standpoint. Yep. It got better on twelve, and now they've just done they've done what they needed to do with the UI and making it feel like a solution. The rest of it lays in the hands of the developer. You can make something fast enough on mobile thirteen that really offsets what you would get if you did something native or in PhoneGap or in Titanium, you'll get something that, okay, it's not as fast as those environments because those are native, they're compiling native, but Mm -hmm. it's fast enough that you can develop much faster than you can in those other environments. Right. So PhoneGap and Titanium, those are alternative development environments to to building in Objective-C? Uh, correct. They're, they're HTML-based things where you use, you'll use HTML5 and JavaScript in order to build your application. And then what they do is they have a, sort of like a plug-in architecture that plugs into Xcode, and then that will compile a native application for the OS. Hmm, okay. What, but what they do is they also have, they have cross-compilers that will work within Xcode and then also within Java. So basically you can build once with HTML5. In fact, I don't know what the numbers are, but a, a significant percentage of applications that you use on iOS or on Android have been developed in an, uh, an HTML5 JavaScript framework hmm. and then cross-compiled to all of the different uh, mobile platforms. Makes sense. Makes it easy uh, yeah. is what it does. Yeah, yes, but if you're going to be planning to deploy on uh, cross-platform, that would that would make sense. But let's talk about um let's talk about more about uh, the features for Go, like what things they have that we're excited about. So, and I, I think we actually have a really nice um, connection of multiple things, right? So we've got they've been gradually making FileMaker Go faster. So like the 11 version and the 12 version definitely were were faster iPads are getting considerably faster. A few weeks ago, I was on vacation. I was in Hong Kong, which was completely awesome. And I happened to be there the day that the new iPad Air came out. 
so I went into an Apple store in this huge mall and uh, stood in line for about two minutes and bought an iPad over there, which was cool. cost about $10 more than buying it here. Well, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, not only do you get the new iPad, but you get it through an experience. That's, that's right. Awesome. Now, also, it's unlocked because by law, um, all devices are sold unlocked over there. Oh, nice. So it came with no SIM card. I came, I came over here and uh, went into an AT&T store. They handed me a SIM, and now it's unlocked. I can uh, switch networks if I want to. And that, that I've heard on, on Twitter. I've seen a couple of, uh, of posts. I think Jeff England uh, posted one that he mentioned that it felt much faster on the A7 than it does on the previous uh, versions. A ton. FileMaker apps now feel like regular apps on FileMaker, uh, like regular apps on the iPad. Oh, it's, my goodness. They haven't really felt like that before, but now they actually perform fast enough to feel real. You know, I like that. So, so these things are all kind of coalescing together <clears throat> with FileMaker spending more uh, focus on performance, um, the iPad getting much faster, iOS 7 and some other good changes and just how, how the, the underlying OS works. Although, generally, that's not really to get faster. I mean, if you try to run iOS on an older phone, it's pretty bad. Um, and now we have all these new features. Let's talk about the new things that actually give us huge design capability in Go. And that's uh, this is all the stuff that people want. I mean, I've got in front of me, I've got a document that I'm going to be using in order to... Um in order to record a video that I'll put on YouTube about all of the new features. Um, so I've got a list of, I don't know, there's like 50 or 60 of them here. So obviously we can't go through all of them. Um, what we should do is probably pick, you know, which ones we can do round robin or between the two of us, which ones do, do we see as being the biggest ones? And just go back and forth. You want to start or you want me? Um, pick your first one. My first one for me is the popover objects. So for a brief description, for those of you that aren't familiar or don't know that it, what's coming up, a popover is basically a button. So you're just adding a button to the layout. That button, when you click on it, then invokes a sub-window. And that sub-window has a very classical little triangle that actually uh, touches the edge of the button. And it can be on the top, the side, either of the sides, or the bottom. Now, the, the popover, you can control... Obviously, the width, the height, the title, and then anything within that popover can be any other FileMaker object. So this is absolutely ble uh, beautiful. In the world of mobile, your, your user interface is defined by showing less but providing the same functionality and the same number of options. But those typically need to be in the form of hidden. This is your primary tool for hiding things. Outside of another feature, which is a, a somewhat smaller, but allows you to dynamically or uh, hide objects based on a calculation. But within that popover, you can put a portal, you can put a, uh, additional buttons, a web viewer, you can put charts, graphing, any other FileMaker object. I'm looking forward to seeing all kinds of new UI stuff through these popover objects. Yeah, for sure. So, so what do you mean by any other object? You, can you target a different layout, or can you put a tab object on it, or what do you mean? No, it's just uh, the popover itself is more or less... When FileMaker um, 12 came out, 12 is when we got the CSS, right? Uh, uh, yes. Not Yeah. Um, what they started is they started with this containment model. So... Prior, you knew that, uh, I believe, prior to 12, when you dragged like a portal, it would drag the portal but not the objects within it. But now when you drag the portal or the tab control, 
whenever you drag it, it takes all of the objects, so those objects are fully contained, and it's representative of the fact that when you put an object that traverses the boundaries of that object, it doesn't actually become contained. So when you drag the object that was crossing across the boundaries of whatever object it was, doesn't go with it. So this containment applies to popovers, to tab controls, to portals, and that means that the um, popover, which can now be hidden on demand or shown, can contain another object, which I believe then can contain further objects. So you can put a you can put a tab control, I believe, in a popover. Hmm. I haven't. I don't know that I've actually done that. I've, I've, I've put in uh, web viewers. I've put in portals, but I haven't actually put in a tab control. To be honest. So it's it's really like an alternate to using a different layout, and it pops up, and it's very iOS native. Is what basically what I would say. Yeah, very very mobile like. And it actually is one of the things I haven't played with as much as other things in the new version. Oh man, I I am just. It's your favorite, huh? Well, th- that and sliders. There's three things for me that are big from a UI standpoint. They the sliders, a, I totally agree. That's they took great. off the silly sidebar or the <laughs> record indicator on list view. That for me is like, it may be a non-issue for a lot of people, but for me it's been huge because it really screams outside of the fact that at the bottom of a FileMaker window on client, you have the very stereotypical, uh, the percentage, the ability to to increase or decrease your view percentage and then you know browse all of your different modes at the bottom of the window okay yes if they would make if they took that away and then they also took away this record indicator now we have something that we're creating we can create software something that looks like software that for me sort of gets filemaker out of the way and filemaker now becomes the tool that it is you know, that's the biggest overriding thing is it right there is they now are making it into a a software creation tool for iOS, which is, I have to agree with you, uh, on the balance, more important even than the WebDirect stuff. So it doesn't. it's not like it's 99% that and 1%. It's maybe like 60% that and 40% WebDirect maybe, 70, 30, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, those two areas are the things I'm really excited about. Well, you know, it's funny <clears throat> that you bring that up because I was looking at their marketing today and the website and what's going on. Um, for some reason... I just don't think corporate is getting it. You know, I will be the biggest FileMaker evangelist based on its technical capabilities and what you can do as a developer with this tool. But -hmm. they are still promoting this software as if, here, we need to really hold your hand. We're not going to tell you about all of the power. We've got, we can do this with spreadsheets and we can do that. Here, we're going to cater to the knowledge worker. And if you look at the rest of the, the software development world, open source and everything is taken off so much that it's it doesn't pander it caters to the developer or to the increasingly more smart knowledge worker not the uh okay here you can do this little thing and this little thing and oh if you need to do more then you're going to need to go find a developer and i don't know i'm just i wish their marketing message not wasn't necessarily developer specific because i don't believe they have to go in that direction but i believe that they believe that we're not as much a developer oriented company as we are a end user database and they're just not letting go of that end user database and i just wish they would because it would give them an opportunity to say look here we are we are a 
kick a <laughs> development rapid uh, environment tool. You know, you can develop something so fast that you're really not going to get a return on investment with something else as fast as you are with us. Right. I agree. I mean, that's kind of the way that I'm really pitching it when I'm talking to clients and, and I'm trying to have more, and, and this is going to help me a great deal, have more iOS stuff to say, hey, let's, you know, let's build things uh, you know, in mobile and let's add that because that's the, that's the actual fast-growing platform. PC sales are declining. There's still zillions more of them. Um, and I, uh, the iPad is going crazy in terms of sales and, and in use, and I think that's the sweet spot. That's where I'm really trying to, to go. Yeah. So, and by the way, popovers will contain other containment objects such as tab controls. Hmm, okay, cool. So let's talk on the on the sliders. How do you use them? Uh, the the slider isn't objects it, isn't are, it very much like a tab panel? It's, the, instead it of is just, exactly the same as a tab panel. So how do you switch underneath the hood? A mm-hmm. slider, which is basically the very stereotypical your iOS device with the little dots at the bottom. Each time that you, you swipe from you know, left or right, depending on where you're at, it goes from one view to another view. So it's just basically a whole different view. But it is exactly the same as a tab control as far as FileMaker is concerned, other than how you interact with it. So what they implemented on that is they have gesture support, which is really nice. In fact, the gesture support they gave on mobile is that you can flip to move through records with a swipe on uh, 13 now. But they also have the ability to support tap gestures. They have a script trigger which is on gesture, and that gesture can work with one, two, or three finger single taps or a single double tap. And Mm -hmm. as well, they have animations that are tied to these things, such as the sliders, which are basically Mm -hmm. just moving between different panes on a tab pane. But you're doing it through the gesture of being able to swipe through it. Yep. And, and on the desktop, you just click. Exactly. So it's actually less useful for desktop. But of course, we're our, we, you know, all good developers, I would submit, who develop for, for FileMaker Pro and Go, are using separate layouts for iPad that they are for their computer. Would you agree? Um, it depends. I've done, I'm doing a lot of my designs I'm designing at the iPad uh, dimensions and specifications, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm doing it so that. That serves as the desktop version as well. Hmm, okay. There are times where I will, depending on if it's a heavy internal use, we're doing a lot of data entry. But if it's just mostly for data retrieval and the data entry represents a smaller, smaller portion, say like for a sales-based application, then I'd rather just do one uh, interface that will sort of work for both. Interesting. All, all the ones that I've done so far, I've really tried to go – all the way down the the road of simplicity and and make it as iPad native as possible and make the fonts really large and you know uh, and so I've built separate layouts for iPad and I also I don't know I, I mean have I've I've always been weird but I really prefer um, portrait mode not landscape mode on the iPad I think it's easier to hold the iPad and use it that way and like it's more clipboard like. Yeah. In fact, uh, that's a new feature. They have a, um, a new function, the ability to determine and also execute a trigger based on changing uh, the actual window. Oh, so yeah. So on mobile, that's an orientation change. Yep. And <clears throat> on the desktop, it is a anytime any – and it applies to scripts too. If your script actually changes the dimensions of a window, then that trigger will still fire. 
that uh, on layout size change, I believe is what it's called. There was a sort of a workaround to do that, but now it's nice. It's a real feature. So on the sliders versus tab panels, I was kind of hoping that you'd actually be able to toggle and convert the one to the other. But they're really two independent devices, uh, two independent objects. And you, um, when you click on the button to add a tab control, there's a drop-down now in the menu that you can either make a tab control or a slide control. Correct. Um, so it's pretty easy if you want to convert. So if you've got a layout that already has a tab panel on it for iPad, you can just create a new uh, slide control and then copy and paste all the objects from each tab. Pretty simple. Yeah. In fact, the... the the primary two tools that they added, the two layout objects they added, these popovers and the sliders, they didn't mm-hmm. actually add new buttons up into the toolbar. They made those um, sub-objects of the objects that they start from. So, for example, a popover starts from or is similar to a button. And so you basically click and hold on the button tool, and then it reveals the ability to access a popover button. And the same thing with the tab control. Mm -hmm. If you click and hold on the tab control uh, icon in the uh, toolbar, then it reveals that you can use a slide control. Now, underneath, FileMaker actually does have differing names for these objects. It's not like a tab control is named a slider. It's because the slider has additional properties to it, but they functionally work the exact same way. So sliders don't have names like tabs do. But there are you still get strip, script triggers and you know a lot of other features and also the little widget that pops up is a, kind of a different style. The slide control setup to isn't controlled um, in like a, a modal dialog box like the tab control. It's Correct. like a little floating window, um, <clears throat> and uh, also parts of it can be can be controlled in the inspector. And inspector also has a new tab now. Yeah. They, um, the, they're using the HUD or the heads-up display, mm-hmm. uh, I think is what they call the, those little floating pallets for mm-hmm. um, a number of things. Um, another feature, which we'll get to, the, uh, the field inspector, the field oh, widget. Yeah, which I really like. The but let's, let's picker is what they're calling it. There's three other iOS things that I'm very excited about. Um, one of them is, let's start with the easy ones. Now you can have a script step that specifically targets the front camera or the back camera or the or the signature or the new feature, which is a barcode scanner, built-in native barcode scanner that uses the camera. Correct. So in 12, you if you wanted to um, interact with the camera or whatever, you'd say you'd have a button that says open the camera, and then the user would have to choose which camera, what resolution, um, or do you want to do a signature? Correct. In fact, that was the problem is because every time that a user would turn the camera on, in most all cases, it was the highest resolution, and no user knows to actually, or I mean, exactly. maybe one user knows <laughs> to yeah, change yeah. the resolution. But you yeah, had exactly. to then use FileMaker's container support in order to resize that image post. Yep. Yeah, so now there's a script step that allows you, and, you know, this is one of the things that only works on iOS. That doesn't, there isn't a feature to do this on the computer because the computer doesn't have a built-in camera or signature scanner or, um, you know, for your finger to sign, et cetera. Correct. Um, call, uh, the step, script step is, is insert from device, and it will only show up when you select on uh, mobile or all in the script editor. Right. So the thing that I, um, that I like about this is, um, um, is that it allows you to 
to not only specify like which camera. So like in one of the applications that I have, it does a uh, it's an it's a warehouse situation, and the user needs to take a picture. So they're walking around the warehouse and they they can push a button and it cuts a lot of the steps out because now it says target the rear camera, not the front camera. Target at this resolution, um, and and it's not the highest resolution. It's one step down from that, which is good. Uh, and then it just stores the image beautifully. And then they also want to be able to read a barcode, so I can have another button that says, oh, yeah, now use that same camera, but this time just use a barcode. It pops up the barcode on the screen. They can just hover over the barcode, and boom, just like a keyboard, the number from that barcode just instantly appears. Ah, love that feature. Right. So let me, uh, for those people who are interested, who are listening and haven't been able to work with FileMaker, let me just run through the barcode types that are supported. They've got code 39-93-128-EAN-8-AN-13-EAN-UPC, GS1 with two-digit, five-digit uh, data bar, GS1 with data bar RSS. They've got ITF14, ISBN 10, 13. Our favorite, which is going to be used <laughs> all over the place, QR code. I, I knew you were going to say that. And then UPCA and UPCE. They covered yeah. a really nice spectrum on the support yes. for barcodes. Yeah. Uh, QR codes are great because they can store so much data. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. only thing we're missing here is the ability to generate, but you can use a Google API in order to do that right within no. a web viewer, and you've no. got a full round circuit trip yeah. of, you know, here, let's create this ID badge for you, send it to this printer, or, hey, watch this. You could run FileMaker server on a local machine with a, uh, with a ID card attached. And you can send out five different people with mobile devices, collecting people's information, taking a picture of them with the right resolution onto the FileMaker Go, and then saying send over to the server using the new perform server script and have it actually (laughs) output this ID badge with a QR code on it. And you've got like an instant solution oh, yeah. for being able to collect and manage people. Oh, it's just insane. Yeah, you're not kidding. So the perform script locally or perform script on server is pretty amazing. So if you've got an iOS device can now perform a script on the server that would be way too heavy duty to do on the mobile device is pretty great. Um, you mentioned the QR code uh, generation on Google. Google's actually deprecated. They're going to at some point delete that capability. You can still do it, but it's not supported and it's kind of deep down on their website. Well, somebody will, I mean, you're always going to be able to access stuff through uh, some type of API. Right. So the one I'm using now, um, since I don't think the Google one's going to be around, is I'm using uh, the FeedZon method, which took me about uh, 30, 40 minutes or so to integrate. It's pretty great. So it doesn't generate them for free, but they're a couple of cents, so it's essentially free. Oh, nice. And, well, um, speaking of being able to interact with services, one uh, one thing that this is, I wish they would just, you know, somewhere on their website, give a list of all of the things that that are new in FileMaker, so that a developer could just go there and see, okay, I need to know what is new and how does this impact how I think and develop with FileMaker, and they just don't do that. Uh, that's probably yeah. why I'm disappointed in their marketing message, is they now support um, HTTP. Uh, I'm trying to say HTTPS host. So basically, the ability mm. to move information back and forth between common public APIs, and that's that's huge. That's huge. Making FileMaker, especially mobile, being able to talk to other web services by using Post, 
Now they don't have REST and SOAP support, but you can do those things on the server with the perform server-side script. But the fact that FileMaker itself, the client, can actually post information, either securely or not, is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another another tick in the favor of uh, mobile technology and, and what you can do. I mean, even desktop. So... That's totally true because that's been something that's been difficult. I mean, we've we've done a bunch of different uh, integrations with with web services, and being able to do uh, HTTPS post is going to really allow us to do stuff much more directly. There's still other, you know, that might may not be the best in all situations. You might want to use, um, you know, get a custom plugin done from 360 Works or use a Script Master or something like that. Um, or use a, you know one of the other plugins or methods to do it, but it's nice that it that gives us uh, some ability. Um, the last thing that I think is really cool for the FileMaker Go stuff that I think is great is custom keyboard types. So you know how on most iOS apps, when you click into a field um, and you're like filling out a web form or something like that, it knows which keyboard to use. It says, oh, well, that's a phone. I'm asking you for your phone number. So it only pops up the field with the phone number digits. Or I'm asking you for an email address, so it pops up a keyboard that's simplified but has an at. Or I'm, um, you know, so there's, I think there's five or seven different keyboards on iOS. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's all accessed through the inspector, which is, I mean, the inspector's just getting its nice work over. It's getting yes, awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah, so it's really nice. And here's another one that's, you know, this doesn't make any sense. There's only one keyboard on a computer. But on a on a device where the keyboard is software, um, it's great to be able to to specify what keyboard type you want for this particular field. I love that. Right, and and in fact, one of the things they fixed was they fixed the field height. So when you click in a field, it doesn't go double the size of the field oh, now yeah. in order to show stuff. So they fixed that. And there's a couple other uh, formatting input things. For example, if you specify a date, time, or timestamp, or a numeric field. You now have access to OS-specific settings. This is something that applies a little bit more to desktop. But if you uh, select a date field, for example, and then you go to the data formatting options, you can choose to format that, and you will have the two different styles that will come from the OS, uh, both long and short. Now, the Mac has a few more formatting styles, which they didn't put in, but that's because it's not available on Windows as well. But you do have both of those, which is really pretty cool. So it's basically you select on a date, you go to the data tab, which is now the fourth tab on the inspector, mm-hmm. and you now have the option uh, where formerly the last option was custom, which you could put any type of date format you want. You now have the system uh, short date and system long date for date, times, timestamps, and then on number, if you select either decimal, currency, or percentage, you will see a checkbox that allows you to use system settings for formatting that uh, the way that the data is rendered. Nice. Yep, loving this. They're so, just really making both the input and the output uh, shine. Yes. You know, it surprises me a little bit, Matt. I, I was thinking that that way up high on your list would be custom themes, being that you're the theme guy. Well, you know, I've always, since I made the theme studio, I can... I knew that you could control the CSS, and I could always mm-hmm. tweak it to my heart's content, and I did that all the way back with 12, knowing that this is not something they've made the commitment. They're not going to abandon that. So basically, they're, they're actually, that's the one area that I'm sort of disappointed in, 
is how much more access they put in to the inspector. From a theme standpoint, you do have the ability to override styles now and make them part of the layout. And then you can give somebody else a FileMaker file, and then they can actually, uh, I guess you could, would call it an extract, but they can basically uh, adapt those styles to their own file by being able to import those styles. So you basically right, yeah. have the ability to create these overrides. But when it comes to styles and the Appearance tab, they really only gave access to a small portion of what's still there underneath the hood. You have access now to padding, being able to control the top, bottom, left, and right. But this does not apply behind the scenes to the margin. They didn't give you access to those CSS aspects. Right. So, I mean, there's definitely some geeky things that they didn't do. But on the, the bigger thing that they did do with it is they give you the ability now to modify a theme and they give you some UI to actually change it and then to be able to save your modified theme and apply it to the file that you're in or to another database. That's pretty cool. Yes. It's, it's, it totally makes it nice for me to be able to now provide themes from a standpoint of here's the FileMaker file, you can just put this into your own file and actually apply them to objects. You don't have to copy and paste the actual elements within the layout. You can apply them to your own fields that are already right there. So that doesn't uh, you know, interfere with object names and tool tips and everything else that, that gets applied directly to an object. They also have, uh, we do have access to the outer and inner shadows now. So the glow that everybody wanted to take off of the field because FileMaker decided we like this blue glow on all fields, you can now control that at least. Uh, also, the one, the one big thing that I do like about the themes is the ability to copy and paste styles on a state-by-state -state basis, where formerly they did not have it. So the use case here would be you'd have a normal button. You would give that normal button a particular gradient, and then you wanted that same gradient to be used on the hover state. But you could, you'd have to really go in, you'd have to remember the colors, precisely enter them, and basically replicate a lot of work. Well, now they've got the copy and paste that applies on a state-by-state -state basis. So you can copy the normal state, go over to the hover, press, or in focus, and just click to apply that. And nice. they also have multiple, um, in their themes, they have multiple options now in terms of styles. So if you're using one of FileMaker's default themes, then if the particular object has multiple different styles, for example, a button, it may have a um, active highlighted versus a, a more muted subtle button, then they will have all of those styles be available to that one object, which is really, really nice. Any other stuff to hit on Go before we move to the other... Other new exciting things? Um, boy, all I all I would have is basically just uh, this, you know, all of the supporting functionality. The um, they've got, for example, get connection attributes for mobile, where you can determine whether the the um, well that get connection attributes is uh, based on whether it's a SSL connection or not, or whether the file's hosted or not. Basically, if you're on the the, the local device or on the local machine versus hosted. It's just another uh, helpful one. But they've got other attributes um, that, like for the, those are the containers mm -hmm. that we'll get to. Um, encryption. Window orientation is a helper for the for mobile. It actually will determine whether or not your iPad is in not just portrait or landscape, but whether it's inverted or not. So if it's upside oh, down. Interesting. 
you could you can do things based on that, based on the uh, get layout change. So if somebody, you could do something crazy if you want to. <laughs> if, for example, they're looking at their iPad regular with the button down at the bottom, if they flip it upside down, hey, you can show a completely different tab and say, <laughs> Easter egg, you just turned your iPad upside down. Clever. <laughs> yeah, you know, some apps don't allow you. It's interesting. Um, you, you, some some apps that I run, if you turn the a device completely upside down, they just rotate like and it's fine. And then other ones don't. They only allow it to run in three of the four orientations. Right. You know? Well, you, you can get it. In FileMaker, it's just they basically started with uh, zero is for your normal standard position, and that applies to uh, Pro and WebDirect. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you go portrait or landscape, they go negative for landscape right, negative two for landscape left, or one for portrait, or two for portrait upside down. So if you basically use this function, get window orientation, and you say, if on layout change, the window orientation is two, you turned your iPad upside down, nice. I'm going to do something. <laughs> That's fun. I, I can see Easter eggs there for sure. Or, you know, actual really useful things. Like, if imagine you're in, you're in a uh, presentation, right? So you've got uh, you're looking at your iPad and you just you just flip it slightly, aim the other direction. It's hard to describe. It's easy to, sh- to sort of show. Um, you sort of seesaw it. Imagine the iPad is on a um, um, fulcrum, and you sort of seesaw it a, l- a little bit, um, so that now your clients it would flip the screen so that you're so it's facing your client instead of you and so you're sitting directly across from your client it'd be kind of nice you could kind of go into two different modes the the layout based on you know is it showing me the data with pricing and stuff like that and then i flip it the other way and it's now you know uh, they're showing the client view with larger information for detail but doesn't show pricing and stuff like that i don't know just to no it's totally because i mean you could use the new feature of being able to hide things so basically mm-hmm. this on oh, layout even, size didn't even change talk about that you could use the inspector that says if the window orientation is upside down and you've handed this to a client now, yep. then go ahead and hide these objects. Yep. And follow on to that is because FileMaker's performance on mobile is a little bit sluggish and because of what they have implemented with regards to WebDirect, they have to be very precise about uh, redraw because redraw is can be very expensive de- again depending on the number of objects so one of the new features they have is a refresh object script step so if you know if there's a portion of your layout specifically that you want to update that uses conditional formatting you're much better off using refresh object instead of refresh window because refresh window is going to cost you a lot because it has to walk through all of the objects so this again is going to make filemaker go yet again more performant big time performance yeah i'm pretty sure that's a word isn't it it is now it's a great one (laughs) (laughs) to bring Um, up my dictionary that's fine so let's see 256 bit encryption that's pretty sweet Uh, because it was 128 before and i'm really liking that because 128 is pretty easy to defeat if you're a if you're a, a zealous hacker um, well, I think it, on that one, isn't that specific to the encryption at rest? That's the, it's a new feature that they put only available through advanced that you have to run through the developer utilities, which actually is a checkbox that says, I want you to encrypt this at rest. So basically, when the solutions close down, and if somebody got access to a device and pulled the FileMaker file off, it is encrypted. 
they encrypted that information if it's local information local on the device otherwise you're encrypted through SSL when you're uh, interacting with FileMaker if you decide to turn on that option yeah, with the uh, FileMaker you, I, server I think you might be right on that I think it's not a um, I'm not sure that they changed it at the server level I've been asking about it uh, to actually change the server encryption to 256-bit and I'm not sure that that matters that much because there's other ways to do that with Citrix and things like that but I, did, I do really want a higher level um, encryption but let's talk about encryption at rest is that an iOS thing? is it a server thing? is it a local user thing? Do you, how, how do you understand that feature to work? It's it's a file thing, as far as I'm aware. Again, you just you within FileMaker Advanced, and that's the pretty much the only way that you can access it. Is you have to go to the developer utilities, and then within the developer utilities, there are a few checkboxes that have been added, and one of those is to encrypt it um, at rest or and to encrypt the data so that when the the data base is closed, basically it's all the information is encrypted. Whereas formerly, I don't know how they were storing it, but uh, that's what the encryption is. Yep. I'm looking at that feature right now. Specify solution options if you go to the uh, admin tool. Enable database encryption or re-encrypt files. And then you have a shared ID. You'd set up a FileMaker account and an encryption password. Right. And then it tells you if your password's strong or not. Apparently the word password is not strong. <laughs> um, let me put a one at the end. That'll probably make it... Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't really. <laughs> specify oh, an account. Man. And then now it'll, um, uh, let's see, specify load settings. So um, add the file. I'm trying to actually run this as I'm talking, which, you know, is a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to hit that lull. Um, one thing they do have is um, they something they took out in 12 that they had in 11 that they've put back in now is the um, minimum version you were you used to be able to within the uh, manage security area specify that this file can only be opened with x version or whatever version well now if you go into the file options under the file menu you should see that in the file options you have a minimum version allowed to open this file and you can actually specify whether 13 is required or 12. Yep, so I just tested that new feature. It was that easy to do. So when you crypt and file at RESC, when you open it, so the file sitting on your desktop wherever it's moved, so you're right, it is a file feature. It's not really even a server thing. The file is sitting there and it's encrypted. And so it, when I open it, it asks me for a password, which can be different than the, the normal password of the file. It can be a really, really long password. Um, and sitting there, it's totally encrypted. Um, this is Stephen Blackwell's favorite feature for sure <laughs> of FileMaker. <laughs> he actually said that. He was just sending an email today. Um, and so now this file can be safely sent to someone over the Internet. It can be safely backed up on your server and it can go to a data center where you're not really sure what's going to happen with the backup because there's no way they can hack into it without that password. But then if you open the file on FileMaker server, FileMaker server would be able to uh, have a secure way to open that file and know its password. And that would be set up and stored securely on server. So that then the file is hosted and people can access it. But then if the file is closed and backed up and transported, it's still known to be secure. I think this is a hugely important feature. Well, that's this again factors into why I think that this 
as a mobile release is so big. I mean, not only is the iPad has it been heavily adopted by government and education, mm-hmm. but government in those areas and in medical, in fact, where those areas need that insurance of security. They're buying based on what Apple's done. Now FileMaker is able to capitalize on that and say, hey, listen, now your data is secure as well Exactly on this secure device. Yep. That is a very compelling thing for FileMaker Mobile. For I FileMaker mean, it was Go. already pretty secure because if on a mobile device, if you locked it, um, the, the file was encrypted. The whole entire iPad was encrypted. But if an, an iPad was unlocked, but the database file was closed... A user would be able to take the iPad and copy any of the data off and send it out to whoever they wanted to send it to. And that's yeah, you now could, you impossible. You could just open iTunes and copy the file. That's right. But now you can't. Or, I mean, you can, but you won't be able to open it. Yeah, you get a file. It's encrypted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's uh, I think, a very, very important uh, security thing. Um, let's see. Oh, another really huge favorite feature of mine. Um, you know what a huge fan of Java I am, right? Especially like um, Java's amazing user interface controls, and well, I'm, I was completely in love with the <laughs> with the Java runtime uh, method of of administrating a FileMaker server and how that never ever failed. It always always worked perfectly. Are you going to say HTML5 rocks? <laughs> um, I'm going to say something like that. So no, you no longer have to use <clears throat> it. It no longer uses the Java runtime engine to administer FileMaker server. Applause. Yep. Insert applause. <laughs> so you just go to the server address, colon, 16001, um, which leads me to another feature. They've, they've uh, significantly reduced the number of uh, ports that FileMaker server uses, or FileMaker uses the whole world of it. So it used to use 16000 and 16001 um, for server administration, and now 16000 is gone. And I think there's a bunch of other ports. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but there's a lot of other ports that are also gone now. They they just cut them down and consolidated, and I think that's a very good thing. It'll make it much easier to configure with IT departments um, who need to do firewall restrictions for things. Um, so it's it, I love that you can just administrate the server with um, administer, probably the more proper word in, in that particular sentence, um, just by opening up a browser, and it works with any browser. Oh, yeah, that's... I. I am the one thing I'm so excited about is the fact that FileMaker, and we'll have to cover this with uh, have a nice little discuss, side discussion about their pricing model, which I don't know if you've taken uh, a look at. I have. We but, haven't um, talked about it yet, but we should. Yeah, no, we haven't. We'll have to get to that. Is that they are? Uh, it's sort of like FileMaker is more becoming more of like a SaaS solution, which the 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 world of mobile computing has opened that up as a potential opportunity for FileMaker, and I see that uh, as a very big bright light if i was a uh i don't know some little filemaker bug or something i would be mm-hmm. drawn to that mhm so what a, what's a when you just open the application what's another big thing that you see that uh, that hits you front and center Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. It sort of is. It doesn't have anything to do with fields. Hey, buddy. God, it's been a long time since we talked. The field picker. <laughs> I know. Actually. I mean, that's just, it's, I believe when you first open it, it's just there. It's mm-hmm. turned on by default. Uh, when you go into layout mode, it's only, it only shows when you're in layout mode. But this is, this is actually going to take me, personally, some time to get used to. 
I am so used to Command-Shift-D to go in and define and create my fields, but you do not need to do that anymore. You don't have to do that at all. In fact, you can just, with this field picker heads-up display, you can just leave it open on your screen anywhere, and you can add fields from there. You can change their attributes. You can set their options. You can change their... Uh, what they are, number versus text versus whatever. Yep. You can filter them out. You can you can switch between all different databases, external data sources, mm-hmm. and you drag them out from this field picker, to a and you have the option to include or not include labels and then position them. It's just this one-stop shop for all of your schema definition. Oh, yeah, it's so great. And when you drag them to the layout, you can, you can have them automatically space the size that they're going to need to fill in either horizontal or a vertical orientation. So if you're adding them as a list or if you're adding them as a, as a, a, a detail view, they'll, put, they'll um, position correctly and then I'll put the labels either above them or to the left. Ah, love it. And this this was my dream for like uh, uh, well they don't call it script maker anymore I'm gonna date myself but the yeah. editing scripts is being able once they made that window it used to be that uh, well no scripts you were always able to get in and keep that window open mm-hmm. but you know FileMaker has so many dialogues that you can't do anything in the rest of the application until you get out of the dialogues yeah modal this is heading in the direction where okay we've got a you know we've got more of a palette type of system and eventually if there's a nice code editor window that can just stay open that no matter where you're at you're not going into a calculation dialog box and then out of a calculation dialog box 5000 times a day <laughs> it's just on screen and hopefully you're able to just work with the code yep so yeah field picker's nice it's one of those heads up display transparent windows that's kind of modern um, yeah, it's even more important to have a second monitor now as a FileMaker developer. Yep. It's uh, very cool. You know, it's funny. I sort of thinking about FileMaker 13 and working with specific features. Uh, I didn't really think it was such a huge release, but really looking at this, all the stuff they changed across the board. I mean, um, server with WebDirect, no longer using Java. There's a ton of other server features we're not going to talk about today because we're at the end of time. Um, a ton of other things for Pro. They're just going to be good for Pro clients um, who don't even use iPad. And then the huge array of things that they've added for, for FileMaker Go um, are huge. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing. And they're starting so the big ha- rollouts now, too. We're going to have to drop the pricing. But just before we do that, I've got to, I've got to get on a couple of things that, that sort of signify what they've done with this uh, release and what they've approached. They've mm-hmm. fixed things that they in my opinion, should have had there in the first place. But they've not only added all of these features, but they've fixed things that make should make people happy. The shift constrain in order when you're dragging objects, they've got that fixed. And so that when you drag objects now, you can hold down shift and it'll constrain properly. Tab names and dialog buttons are now controllable via calculation. So you're no longer stuck with whatever static name you type into the dialog for the buttons, OK, cancel, whatever. They're driven by calculations. Same things with tabs. They fixed those things. It's just really nice what they've done in this. It's, it's the first release that I think is really, truly something that says, you know, this is a no-brainer. You just upgrade because this is what the application should have been or would have, you would have hoped would have been at 11. Yep. So pricing. Well, before we really get into pricing, we should talk about uh, a, 
a fundamental change that they have, which is serving up FileMaker Go clients is no longer free. Well, and that deals with pricing, right? That deals with pricing, right. So that's kind of a there's – a, there's a change in the sort of the model that they had. Um, they sort of left some money on the table in the past but because if uh, a lot of clients are getting – are using FileMaker on their iPads, and then they're using FileMaker hosting companies for the server. Right. <clears throat> so they're really – from a functional standpoint, they're not really paying a whole lot in order to use all of this wonderful technology. That's true. They, they get a hosting company, and they pay 15 bucks a month. They get 10 iPads in their company. Um, they don't even buy a copy of FileMaker Pro or Pro Advanced. They hire a developer to build a solution for them for five grand or whatever, and then. Um, but the only money that FileMaker gets is that small portion of one server license. Yeah. Um, so, so it makes sense the direction that they are taking. It does. And I agree fact, with it. What has happened in the past is evident that they had to make some type of change. Yep. Uh, obviously, losing Bento and then losing some of their employees, having to downsize. Um, and I, I have a different perspective on this. I mean, because I worked with FileMaker back in the days when it was Claris. And they had a, a second building called the Interstitial, which was outside of the wedge. So they had the, the, the wedge and then a building next to it. And ever since th- those days, FileMaker has... Uh, you know they lo- they got rid of their Claris products and then they released Bento and then they let go of Bento and then it's sort of been it seems like a struggle, but I think that what they're going for now from a pricing standpoint makes sense. SaaS is the new model. You know you want to buy some software, you're usually going to buy something that's running through the web that you're going to pay some type of subscription fee, and that's the direction that FileMaker's headed in. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you have the numbers in front of you or have you seen them? Well, the um, I'm I'm trying to look at the numbers. So the 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 different thing that they're charging for. So first of all, the FileMaker Pro client costs about the same as it did. Starts at about three hundred bucks. The annual volume license agreements are pre- pretty much the same as they were. Buying FileMaker Server is about the same as it was nine ninety nine. I think Server Advanced is gone now. So there's just Server. Um, but the difference is now you buy these um, license packs to either serve up. Um, to serve up essentially new clients, and the clients are either iPad or WebDirect. So WebDirect and iPad, the client software is free because a browser is free and because the iPad version, uh, FileMaker Go, is free in the App Store, so it continues to be free. But to serve those clients on FileMaker Server, now you have to have a license, and finally it's a concurrency model, not a perceit model, which I'm very, very happy about. Um, because it's just so much simpler and it's the way other things work. And I, you know, they actually haven't talked about pricing in advance. Um, so here's what I, I actually was quite frustrated. When I went to the FileMaker mm-hmm. website, it is so, you can't find their pricing. When you click on the store, it, you have to go all the way down the path to adding to a cart, I believe, before you actually find the pricing. And so mm-hmm. where I found the pricing was on one of the review sites that referenced, I believe, the PR release that FileMaker had sent out. Mm-hmm. And here's what I have from one of the... So I didn't come up with this. I got this off of a post, and I think it was on PC World or something like that, a write-up they had done. Okay. FileMaker is promoting or offering that you can still get FileMaker if you want to pay an outright license. But they're, they're promoting or selling FileMaker from this um, monthly model. But you're still on an a quote-unquote annual subscription. So for FileMaker Pro 13, um, what I got was $9 a month 
For FileMaker Pro Advanced, it's $15 per month, or basically just calculate that out, 15 times 12, and that's hmm. basically what you would pay on a monthly basis. And for FileMaker Server, it's $29 a month. Or if you want to go with a traditional license, then what they do is they do have the regular standard pricing. So FileMaker Pro 13 is 329 is the number that I got, or 179 for an upgrade. If you go advanced and you go the straight-up license, it's 549 brand new, or 299 for an upgrade. And for server, it's 1044 or 528 for an upgrade. Now, what I thought about when I heard this pricing was, okay, file, it's been 20 months since FileMaker released between 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. So if you were to factor this out, what makes sense right now, if FileMaker goes another 20 months, for me it would make more sense to go with FileMaker Pro Advanced and pay the upfront upgrade pricing of 299 mm-hmm. It's a flat-out license. You now own it. But if I, if I knew that FileMaker was going to release new releases more frequently, like on an annual basis it totally makes more sense to go with their monthly model on an annual basis because then I'm only paying $180 in order to use FileMaker Advanced each year. And that totally makes sense. And when it comes to the model of if you're going to sell a FileMaker solution and if you follow the software of a ser- uh, software as a service model, you're basically just going to need to factor in and you know calculate up whatever margin you want to make on top of whatever FileMaker is going to charge on a monthly basis. And so that sort of makes sense. And the the whole client pack, the way that they're breaking it down is it's broken down into five packs. So you have, and I don't know if it, this applies across is over from Go to RevDirect, but my sense is, according to the way this was worded, is it's separate. If you want a five-pack of Go, it's $25. If you want a five-pack of WebDirect, it's $25 all controlled at the server. Right, and so I think it's the basic. same, isn't it? The same type of license for either one? See, that I don't know. That I couldn't I couldn't dig that out of the information that I found. Hmm. But so basically, I'm, it's $5 per connected client. I'm, I'm looking at their website now uh, at FileMaker.com in the store. And so server used to be $9.99, and now it's $10.44. So right. big deal, $45. Bucks. Uh, also, client used to be $2.99, and now it's $3.24. So it's $25 more. To buy server with, I think server actually comes with one concurrent connection for Go and WebDirect. So you can do development on it and test it and see what it's going to work. Makes sense. Um, if you want to buy a five connection, which gives you five concurrent uh, users connected, and you just want to buy it outright, the price goes up from 1044 to 1944 So $900 um, for five concurrent connections. So they are really pushing for getting people on a recurring model, which makes sense because if, as a company, if they need to sustain and keep moving forward throughout the years and keep putting in R&D onto FileMaker, they need cash flow. And if they don't have cash flow based on let's sell a copy of server and then let's just have people connect through all their mobile devices for free, they'll never survive. Mm-hmm. So then I guess the other way about this is before you couldn't buy FileMaker Pro or you could not buy FileMaker Server in quantities less than five total seats, so like four copies of client and one server. But now you can buy just FileMaker Server with five connections and get an annual volume license contract that's billed annually, even though it's priced monthly. It's kind of weird. It's really, it's really priced annually for six hundred and forty-eight dollars a year. 
Yep. So for six makes this is why it's smart. I, I totally agree. It makes agree. it yeah. totally appealing for me to go out, develop a FileMaker solution, work with a hosting company, and then go make this available to a market. Mm-hmm. Because now I can afford to charge you know, a beyond what they're charging me and make a profit on that. Yep. Whereas before, if I have this really exorbitant uh, you know, server and then client fee structure, and it's not based on whoever and however many people are connected, it's just based on, well, you have to buy 50 seats. Well, forget you, FileMaker. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to dump that type of cash into something that might be speculative for me, but now it's feasible. Now it's doable because I could scale my business as it grows. So I'm I'm excited about what they're doing. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what the feedback is in the community of, oh, somebody's always going to complain and say, sure. oh, they're trying to rob us or something. No, pay for the software. It's good software. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome to build in. Yep, I agree. Um, so, yeah, if, if 10, 10 server licenses would go up to 948 a year if you get 10 uh, concurrent licenses of WebDirect plus Go. One of the things I like to do when Apple comes out with a new Mac is like a look at the Mac Pro and max it out and put the maximum number of possible drives and max it out with a maximum RAM just to see how expensive a single Mac can get, you know, to try to build one <laughs> computer for twelve thousand dollars. Um, if you do the same thing with FileMaker Server thirteen and you you max it out at fifty connections and I think it can only handle fifty concurrent connections of Go plus WebDirect, um, that comes up to ten thousand dollars. Wow. To, now that's, to buy well, that the seems, server outright or 3300 a year. That seems like uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's expensive. <laughs> and you know, compared that to uh, server 12, which would actually serve up you know, those licenses uh, or server 12 advanced or whatever you know, for a lot less than that, $2,500. Yeah, but I mean the, they're hedging their bet based on the technology of what you're getting with the new web stuff. So Yep. Uh, currently, it only the one thing we should point out is that it's they uh, from what I've read they only say that it's uh, desktop compatible. It's not mobile compatible. So in other words, you're not getting uh, some things won't necessarily work with WebDirect and mobile. I mean, obviously your browser, the viewport is going to because you can pinch and, and zoom on a mobile browser, you'll get that effect. But you're not going to get something that's uh, what might be considered mobile specific, where you're getting into responsive design and things like that. Yep. So, and and it's who knows? It's up in the air in terms of what the performance is until we see things out in the wild and then the real world uh, working. What we're going to hear back in terms of the performance of uh, what WebDirect can do. But I think the 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 whole monthly model, even though it's you know an annual program sort of makes it makes it much more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got all my clients switched over to the annual volume license agreements, um, mainly because it it sort of normalizes the price. It makes it less expensive, like the day that they buy it, because they're only buying a certain number of clients. They automatically get upgrades. Oh, yeah, by the way, for everybody who bought server advanced on, all, on, um, on AVLA licenses, uh, for 12 and before, and today they get a new um, version of FileMaker Server, they come across with 25 connections, so which is actually $5,500 to buy. 
Um, so they actually get a pretty FileMaker's being really, really generous in giving them, you know, 25 concurrent connections of Go plus WebDirect um, if they're part of a current uh, 12 AVLA or VLA or whatever. Nice. I'm not actually part of one, so. Oh, oh all my, almost all my clients are actually. How many? Yeah, all but a couple, really, the little, really small ones. Um, yeah, VLA, you know, AVLAs are great, and I love that they can do them even smaller. So, um, what what other things do we want to hit on? Because we've got to wrap this up. Um, this is our longest podcast ever, maybe. No. No, I mean this is <laughs> yeah, but this is all the information that people want. This is all That's the information true. that people want to hear, and we're really only at an hour, which isn't that That's bad true. of an investment it's of time if you're heavily invested in FileMaker. So, I mean, you're you're wanting if you haven't gone and looked at and the FileMaker website's not going to tell you all the nitty gritty stuff. They're not going to necessarily tell you that wow now you control the alternating and the active layout rows in list view plus the <laughs> fact that you've got the record indicator turned off they're like oh you mean i don't have to create some fantastic new technique in order to show which is the current highlighted oh my God, row? we didn't even talk about the stupid record indicator yeah, we did at the <laughs> did very we? beginning. I, I totally pixels? said that. I said the you fact did. that that's gone is like one of my biggest oh, yeah. things. It's you did. Like I remember because now. It's, it's like huge. Oh, it is. And yeah, they turned on things that you think in the application should be there. For example, the active state of a row. Whichever row you're on, you can use all of the native inspector palette in order to make that row look however you want. Mm-hmm. You know, we want a subtle highlight. You want a radial gradient. You just you get all the benefits. Yep, it's I love just that. Really nice. Hey, there's one other thing um, that we didn't hit on: hosting files on FileMaker server. So if you've got a FileMaker database on your desktop that you just created and started, and you set up the security and all that, and now you want to put it on FileMaker server, in the past you had to run that awesome Java runtime. Um, environment. <laughs> uh, now you can just go to the file menu to um, sharing, and there's a new new button that says upload to FileMaker server, I mean, new menu choice. And then you type in, you click on the server from the same list of your normal hosts, provide a username and password, and that file gets uploaded directly from FileMaker Pro client to the server. Yep. What's really weird, though, is the web um, console no longer has the ability to upload a file. So you have to use this method to upload files to the server. You can't do it from the web console. So the web console still gives you the ability to download files, but not upload files. So if you if you want to get a copy of a database, you can close it and then download it and then reopen the file up on the server to, to get a backup of the current version. But wow, I, I, I think didn't know that. I think it's odd that the admin console does not allow you to upload files, but it doesn't. That is very odd. I know. I, I haven't been through the, uh, I haven't put server through the paces as much as I have uh, advanced and pro. Yeah, I've been playing with server too. I've got it running on my computer now. And configuring WebDirect is really simple. It's a single checkbox, kind of like instant web publishing. There's a new tab underneath the web publishing uh, setup on the server. So you got PHP, XML, and then FileMaker WebDirect. Oh, and by the way, instant web publishing is gone. So. It's no longer a supported feature in the in Server 13, and it's no longer a supported feature in FileMaker Pro 13. So FileMaker Pro 12 could actually host up WebDirect, or sorry, host up Instant Web Publishing to five or ten clients or whatever. 
And that feature is gone. So now if you want to host for the web, you have to use FileMaker Server Advanced, which I think is right. I don't think anyone uh, or very, very few people probably took advantage of the ability to do web hosting in FileMaker Pro. They probably uh, did I, it. In. I didn't. I, I'm being a web, more of a web guy. I never liked instant web publishing myself. Yeah, me neither. There was a couple times that it was useful, and in every one of those cases, I'm chomping at the bit to replace it with WebDirect. Yeah, I mean the fact that you can just turn it on with a checkbox and and it looks like your layout. Now we're finally where I think it instant web publishing should have been. But oh, totally. I can understand that the web technologies weren't there. I mean that is a major, major investment and hurdle to do oh, yeah. what FileMaker needed to do uh, you know, to their internal layout rendering to convert that to something that was for the web that's always constantly changing. So yeah, it well, made sense when they switched to CSS that now it makes for a much easier oh, totally. transition. Well, it does. WebDirect does more than just look like your layout. It supports script triggers. Um, uh, Basically, there's no design controls, but it has almost the entire fidelity of, a, of the FileMaker Pro client experience. So for a, if you design your application to work within what WebDirect does really well, you can deliver a really full-featured FileMaker um, solution to a client where the client does not have to buy and install FileMaker Pro client software on their computers. And that was not possible at all with, with instant web publishing, and it absolutely is possible with WebDirect within, you know, constraints. But those constraints, um, I think, are pretty reasonable. I mean, I think it's worth it to me to, to totally rebuild and, and to optimize for WebDirect. I'm going to be doing well, you, it like crazy. You know what WebDirect is running out of on the back end, don't you? No, tell me. <laughs> Java. You, you do know it's Java, yeah. right? <laughs> well, see, Java is excellent at it. it Java is extremely fast at back end server level stuff. That's never yes. been the problem. I talked to Sam Barnum about it. I have never had a, a problem with Java. Oh, yeah, but yeah. That's always because I'm comfortable with working with it. But I didn't have to deal with the, uh, with the admin control panel and having it break and stuff like that as other people did. The, the back end performance features of Java are awesome. The front-end user interface parts of Java, mm, not so much. Yeah. And so FileMaker has smartly said, okay, we're going we're gonna to not use Java for front-end stuff anymore. We're just going to use it for what it's good at, which is heavy lifting. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it does. The, the, for those that don't know, the tech that they're – I was talking to Todd Geist the other day, and, I mean, gosh – he was like he's you know he's into Java and Groovy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He knew what was going on, and he pointed me to the site. It's uh, Vaden V A A D I N dot com. If anybody wants to go look at that, but that's basically it's a, a rendering. It's a Java rendering engine that that FileMaker is handing off the rendering of their layout or the information to render the layout to Vaden, which is then doing the rendering. Uh, prior to uh, FileMaker Server handing it out to WebDirect in order to push out to the browser. So on the JavaScript end, I don't know what they're doing, but I really wish that they would have made the whole JavaScript end pluggable. And if they do that in the future, that makes FileMaker even more appealing. If they do two things, if they make it so that it performs really well, obviously within guidelines, people have to understand that you must optimize for the environment that you're developing for. If it's a web direct layout, 
do not pile it with thousands of objects and expect all kinds of performance. But if you keep it trim, which the current you know model for developing you in a UI is really straightforward, simplistic. If you keep that simple, and if they made the JavaScript end pluggable, where you are able to plug in different libraries and frameworks, FileMaker is now entering the dream state for me. You're now really making something very appealing because you don't have to deal with the whole data binding and the back end because FileMaker manages that. The rest of the front end, if you have just a little bit more in terms of degrees of control, ooh, that's that's sweet. That's really nice. Yep. So um, I got to wrap this up because in a little bit I'm presenting a webinar um, yep. on uh, some some search stuff. So hopefully there'll be a recording of that on uh, FileMakerAcademy.com and sometime soon. And I'm off to uh, shoot a video about all the different uh, <laughs> features, which oh. we've, we pretty much covered. I'd say we covered 95% of all the new yeah. features, and we did it in an hour and 11 minutes. We'll keep talking about it. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's always great to talk to you, Matt. Yeah, I'm loving it. So I'm looking forward to whenever we talk about all the new stuff that people are doing with Oh, 13. yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what's going to be cool. That's so. going to be soon, too. All righty, then. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Until next time.